Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Wow, first stop of the honeymoon. That's pretty good, huh? I think that might be a first. I, I don't, for me, anyway. Well, hey, I am really honored to be able to teach today. I am the leadoff batter for a series that we're going to do on the kingdom of God. And uh, man, I can't think of anything I would rather teach on, preach on, live on than the kingdom of God. Amen? You know, about 15 years ago, a guy by the name of Dr. Miles Monroe wrote a book called Rediscovering the Kingdom. Now, I was thinking about that. It was a great book. I loved, loved the book. But rediscovering is what caught my, my mind. Rede- rediscovering means something is lost. How many of you know the kingdom of God is not lost? You know what's been lost? It's our understanding of the kingdom of God. Now, I want to say it had been lost. This was written 15 years ago. How many of you know on the forefront of churches all over our nation, all over the world, is the message of the kingdom of God? Amen? Nobody excited except me, okay? You know, when I was 22 years old, that's been a few years ago, in 1984, I had never really heard a message on the kingdom of God. And I remember going to this conference, and I'm at the conference, and this this big guy gets up. He's probably about my age now. His name was John Wimber. Anybody ever heard of John Wimber? John Wimber moved incredibly in signs and wonders, and his message was the kingdom of God. And he began to talk about this dynamic rule and reign of God, this manifestation of God's ruling presence in planet Earth. And every once in a while, there's a message that will just pierce your heart, and it'll change everything. Have any of you ever had one of those encounters? You know, it might not have been a a preached sermon. It could have been a song. It might have just been time with God. But your life would never, ever be the same again. And that's what happened to me. And so... Uh, I began to just meditate. I began to just read the Word of God, everything I could find on the kingdom of God. And you know what I found? The kingdom of God is the central message of Jesus. How in the world do we miss it? How in the world did we miss it? And so, you know, people would invite me to come to places, and nobody ever asked me what I was going to talk about. Because they knew I only had one message. I was going to talk about the kingdom of God. Well, can I tell you what? I was in pretty good company. I am in pretty good company. We are in good company. Because how many of you know Jesus only had one message? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. Um, Let's look at that first scripture there in Mark 1.15. We're going to have it overhead, but if you want to get your Bible out, you can do that. This is the message Jesus began his ministry with. We got it up there? Let's read this together. Can we do that? Let's read it. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That was was kind of anemic. Huh? That's awesome. Look at that. Jesus, can you imagine? You think Jesus said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near to you. No, he's saying, look, everything is about to change. The kairos of God, that moment in time when everything changes is happening right 
now, in your midst. The kingdom of God has come near. He's standing in front of you. His name is the King Jesus, okay? And so, you know, he says, look, here's your role. You're going to have to change everything about the way you think. What is he saying? He's saying, you're going to have to rediscover the kingdom of God. You're going to have to put your trust totally in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? So, have you ever noticed that Jesus never preached on prosperity? Jesus never preached uh, about being born again. He had one conversation with Nicodemus, right? But he never publicly, you think that'd be a pretty good message, right? How many of you have heard a few messages on being born again? Well, if you hadn't, then maybe you ought to get born again. That's a good message. Okay, that, that's, Jesus just lived the life of the Spirit, right? How many know Jesus never preached a message on healing? He just healed people. He never preached a message on deliverance. He just set people free of demons. He never even preached on the resurrection. He just raised from the dead, okay? Now, now guess what the message he preached was? The kingdom of God is in your midst. And so as he was talking about this kingdom of God that had come in their midst, all these things just began to happen, pop, pop, like popcorn, right? Because the kingdom was being manifest in our midst. That's what the kingdom of God is. It's the manifestation of the ruling presence of God. Wherever God goes, the kingdom goes. How many of you know that wherever you go, if you have the Christ that, that Archie spoke about in the pregame talk here, he said, he said, it's Christ living in you that's the hope of glory. Wherever we go, the kingdom goes. Okay? Now, that's all preview. I hadn't even got to the message yet. But, but I, I want to say this. Jesus realized that there had to be a rediscovery of something that was lost. Okay? And the, the cool thing about it is I'm just laying foundation today. Okay? The next few weeks... It's, it's just going to keep getting better and better, so you're going to have to, have to come back because you can't preach the entire message of the kingdom of God in one message, right? I'd love to try, but you would not be sitting here probably if I did. So, or at least those of you with children would be gone, I promise. So Jesus has this focus. If you can get the kingdom of God, you can understand the Bible. Thank you, Joel. Joel's very participative this morning, and I'm grateful. If you want to understand the Bible, you need to understand some things about the kingdom of God. First thing is this. The Bible is about a king. Okay? We're, we're starting simple, but I promise we're going somewhere. The Bible is about a king. How many of you, uh, or is there anyone in here that grew up in a kingdom, uh, an uh, um, a country that was ruled by a king. It was a kingdom. Anybody here? All right. We've got one right here. We've got a, a queen. That's right. Long live the queen, right? And so, and so there's a culture that goes along with a kingdom. You know, Great Britain colonized more countries than any other country from, say, 1400 to 18, the 1800s. Did you know that? So this guy really knows the kingdom, if you want to talk to somebody who knows the kingdom. 
But the king, the Bible is about a king. That's difficult for us because most of us here have just grown up in a democracy, right? Where we have inalienable rights. That you, if you're 18 years old, you get to cast your vote on who you think the president should be. Can I tell you, that's not how it works in a kingdom. The king is not elected by the people. The people don't get a say. The king is a sovereign ruler. Okay? And so, have you ever noticed that Jesus, he he was never courting people's opinion. He, He never asked the majority what they thought. Have you ever noticed that? That Jesus, uh, he, he really didn't care what his approval rating was. You know why? Because Jesus knew who he was. He was a king. He is a king. So the first thing about the kingdom, it's a king. there's a king, okay? The second thing about the Bible is it's about a royal family. Everybody say royal family. I want you to look at the person sitting next to you and right now. They're part of the royal family. Okay? Now what? All right, we're working on repentance this morning, okay? I've lost you right now. You're visiting, okay? Listen, we are part of a royal family. I want you to think about this. Have you noticed that the scripture says that Jesus is king of kings. It doesn't say he's king of subjects. Why does it say he's king of kings? Because we're part of a royal priesthood. We are sons and daughters of the most high king. Okay? There's something of royalty in our veins. Did you know that God created man in his image and his likeness unlike any other created being? You know, you know, angels were not created in the image and likeness of God. There's something about us in our original created state that is royal. We talk about being a family on mission. We're royal family. We really are. And if we can get that, that Jesus is king, that, that the, the Bible is about a king and it's about a royal family, then we're, we're on our way. Now, the third thing is the Bible is about a kingdom. You know, I heard somebody say, kingdom, God is king, and we're dumb. Okay? That's not quite, that's not quite it. Okay? Here's the kingdom. The kingdom is comprised of two things. Kingdom, uh, the dumb is really domain and dominion. There's two parts to the kingdom. What is domain? It's the territory in which the king rules. Okay? It's the territory that the king rules. What is dominion? It's the power, it's the authority to rule. It's his rulership. How many of you know that, that Jesus, the Lord God, is in, he has dominion over everything. And he has the domain in which we live in. Now there's some interesting things about planet earth and we're going to talk about that because we live in planet earth. How many of you know that if you're going to live in planet earth... You, you, you need a spirit, because you're created a spirit being, but you need an earth suit, right? You need a body. You need a visibility here on planet earth. Okay, just, just check it. So the Bible's about a kingdom. It's about a royal family. It's about a king. But the Bible is about 
a colonization project. Now, you didn't think you would get by without a little bit of a history lesson, did you? I mean, every week I've got to give you a little bit of history here. So America, have you ever noticed, um, Hugh, this, I might direct this at you, our one great Brett here. Hugh is now an American citizen. So, so maybe, you, maybe you've noticed this, that America, whenever people talk about American history, where do we typically start? 1776, right? How many of you know that America was a British colony? It was colonized by another, a number of countries, okay? But we don't tend to talk about that. We like to start right to that place where we declared our independence, okay? Now, I, I want you to think about this. Really, a colony is a territory that is ruled by a kingdom. And so, as far as we know, in our current time of life, probably from 1607 to 1776 is a colonial period of time, right? And so, America had 13 British colonies or American colonies or whatever. So, that, we, that is part of our tradition here too. Now, this is not going to be a political talk. I'm not going for imperial, imperial authority and we're not going to go take over and start you know, a bunch of our own countries. But we are going to talk about how do we colonize our planet with the kingdom of God. How do we bring the kingdom of God into the midst of every fabric of our lives and where we live? Amen? Because that really is the issue. The essence of God's will and purpose is this. It's for the planet Earth, God wanted to colonize Earth with heaven. Let that sink in. The whole purpose of the creation of mankind was that earth would be colonized with heaven. What was the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, that he taught us to pray? Lord, your kingdom, Father, Father, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, right? And so from the very beginning, that's the idea. Colonization is just the extension or the expansion of the king's influence over a foreign territory. So the Lord says, I want, tag, you're it. I want you to be my ambassadors. I want you to be my governmental representatives here on planet Earth so that Earth becomes like heaven. Right? Now, I don't know about some, some of you older saints. I was taught that the goal was to get out of Earth and get to heaven. Any of you taught that? Well, let's relearn it. Because that's not the goal. The goal, Jesus says, is that we pray that this world gets colonized with the kingdom of heaven. Okay? And that we get to be carriers of that. So God's purpose is not to get us to heaven. It's to get heaven in us to this earth. All right. I'm going to I'm have to go faster. Y'all are going to have to listen quicker. Number five. Number five, the Bible tells us the account of the colony of Earth's declaration of independence. Okay? If you want to understand the Bible, you're not going to get very far into it until chapter 3 of Genesis. And it's the story of man declaring his independence from the kingdom of God. So, when... 
probably the three countries that colonized the most during that period of time, I was talking about the 1400s to the 1800s, were Great Britain, France, and Spain, okay? And so whenever they would come into a country, the first thing they would do is they would send a governor from the empire, from the kingdom, to govern over the territory or the colony. Is everybody with me? Didn't, didn't just pick somebody from within. They would take a governor from the motherlands and would send them to govern. Why? Because the goal was to make that territory, that colony, exactly like the homeland. It was to create a culture. Everybody say culture. See, we, we at Sozo are creating a culture, okay? We're, what we're doing is we're emanating a culture. It's called the culture of the kingdom of God, okay? So, spoiler, spoiler alert, that's, which, that's the bottom line of this whole talk is that we are people who are creating a culture. We're enculturating our world that we live in with the goodness of God, the kingdom of God, the dynamic rule and reign of God. And so they would, they would get this governor, and um, the governor would create this culture in, in language, in food, in um, which side of the road you, you drive on, clothes, etiquette that you wear, architecture, all that stuff. Basically the way we think and the way we do life. You know, I, uh, I'm always amazed whenever I go to places overseas and, and I find people, it's 110 degrees and they're in a building with no air conditioning and they have suits and ties on. Where, where do you think that came from? Somebody enculturated them, didn't they? You know, that's the kind of culture I like to break because it's just like, why, why do that? But somebody carried over a culture, right? Um, Cuba, give you a couple examples. Cuba, when you think of Cuba, you probably don't think of Spain. Spain colonized Cuba. There was a Spanish governor that came to Cuba, but there was a young guy in his 20s by the name of Fidel Castro. Castro overthrew the Spanish government, and he said, we're going to do things differently now. And so he uh, espoused the philosophy of socialism, we would call it communism, and the, Spain, the Spaniards were out of Cuba. So for years and years and years, Cuba has lived the way they do because of the revolution that took place. One more example, that's Spain. Um, for years and years and years, Haiti was uh, colonized by the French. Okay. One day, a Haitian slave rose up and said no more. Uh, France was expelled from the island. All of these are Caribbean-type places. Was expelled from the island. And how many of you know sometimes the revolutions are really glamorous and sound wonderful? But there's only one problem. When you expel the leadership that was leading your country, you're left to lead your country. All of the problems, you've got to solve them now. All of the issues of water and building and all the things, the infrastructure that goes into a country. And many countries are much worse off 
after revolution than they were before. And so that's the case. Now, all of that is built up to the passage that I want to give you because it's the story of man's declaration of independence. Would you put up Gal- uh, excuse me, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 through 9. It says, Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the earth, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord God had planted a garden in the east of Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kind of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye, good for food. In the middle of the garden was a tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, lest you become too comfortable with a familiar passage, let me kind of give you some context of what's going on. God has already told Adam in previous verses we'll get to later, listen, I want you to be my ambassador over this entire world. And he says to him that in the forming of man, he breathes into him, into his nostril, he breathes the breath of life, and the man becomes a living being. There's only two times in the scripture where it talks about God breathing into man. Both of them are very significant. This is the, the beginning of God's plan for Project colonization, project kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Now, remember we we learned that whenever something begins in a foreign territory, there's a governor who comes and gives oversight to it. When it says that God breathed his breath, his spirit into man, Guess what's happening here? The very image, the likeness, the spirit of God is breathed into Adam. And God is saying, my governor now lives inside of you. Anybody excited about that? You got the governor of God living inside of you called Holy Spirit. And so man has got all of this authority. Man has All of this liberty. God says, listen, I want you just to enjoy life. There's only one prohibition here. Because you're not a robot, you have choice. Do not eat from this tree in the midst of the garden called the tree of reason, knowledge of good and evil. He says, when you try to figure things out in your own strength, you will fail. Reason and independence. Now, I'm, I'm going I'm to speak very un-Americanly right now. Can I do that? I'm going to speak very, really un-Texanly right now. We love our independence. We love declaring independence. You don't, I mean, it's bred into our kiddos. They, they're independent. Can I tell you what? The issue God said was, listen, you, you've got your two choices to make here. You can depend absolutely on me and trust me. Trust the governor inside of you because he will be your tree of life. He will teach you how to have fellowship with me. He will give you all you need for oneness with me. You will be able to experience something that you were created for. But you know the story, the devastating story 
where man in the next chapter chose independence, made his declaration of independence. The holy, the governor was cut off. Hello? The connection with the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, was cut off by that decision. Can I tell you, when we make choices of independence, when we make choices of reasoning, when we try to figure things out on our own, in our own strength, guess what happens? We sever our lifeline to heaven. You know, Joel and I were talking just the other day about, you know, you know what is discipleship on the right side of the cross? You know what we kind of came up with? It's pretty much just sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. If you can become sensitive to your governor who lives inside of you, life gets a lot better. It really does. Now, let, let's keep moving on. Y'all not listening fast enough. So the, the sixth thing is the Bible, the Bible is not about religion. Can we say that together? The Bible is not about religion, okay? Can, can I tell you, one of the greatest barriers, probably the greatest barrier to a relationship with the king of the kingdom, the, the, let me finish the rest of that thought is, the Bible's not about religion, it's about a kingdom, okay? One of the greatest barriers is religion, and religion is just simply man's attempt to return back to God. Can I tell you, all of our efforts will never return us back to God from the garden state until the governor is restored. Hello? I mean, we try all our best stuff, our best ideas and all that. It's just man's religious attempts to appease deity instead of saying, oh God, I need you. I repent, I turn toward you. We're back to the first scripture we just read a little while ago in Mark 1, 15. Jesus said that's the restoration. It's coming back to the kingdom of God. There are three world religions, the three largest world religions, the three major world religions, all claim Father Abraham as their founder. Hello? If, if you read through the Quran, you will find that Islam has a lot to say about Abraham. If you read through the Old Testament, uh, the, uh, Judaism talks a whole lot about Father Abraham. Christianity talks a whole lot about being the seed of Abraham. Now, there's only one problem. Abraham never claimed to start a religion. You notice that? God never promised Abraham a religion. He said, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the whole world. Have you ever thought about all the bloodshed, all the murder, all of the, the fighting that goes on in the name of religion, all trying to claim a man who didn't even want, didn't even start a religion? Hello? Let that sink in a little bit, how skewed everything is. And you know why it's so skewed? Because we've missed the mandate of the kingdom of God. We've missed the whole main point. The issue is the kingdom. It's not about religion, man's attempt to get on God's good side. So God never promised Abraham a religion. God 
never had any interest in world religions. God wanted to extend his invisible kingdom to an invisible planet called Earth. God wanted to colonize Earth with heaven. Or let me say it another way, maybe a way that you can get it even better, because we don't know what colonization is. We know a little bit about creating culture. So let me, let's go at it this way, whatever number we're on. The Bible is about God's plan to fill the earth with his glory. Hello? Is that, does, that, does that ring a little true? Colonization, oh, okay, he's, he's wants to, he, I get it. God wants his glory filling the earth all over. Oh, this, gosh, this is so good. I'm going to need an extra five here. We're going we're gonna to do this, though. <laughs> Psalm 72, may the whole earth be filled with God's glory. Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Numbers 14, 20 and 21, the Lord replied, as surely as I live, as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the earth. So what is glory? I'm glad you asked. Glory is a Hebrew word, kavod, and it means heavy or weighty. It means to impact or to imprint. Heavy, weighty, impact, imprint. So the idea is the weight is so heavy that it leaves an imprint. Is, is, is the, the glory of God, his weightiness, so heavy on you that he's imprinted you? That's the glory of God. It's not just a smoke-filled room. like you know. It's more than that. The idea of the weight is so heavy that it leaves an imprint. Glory imprints because of weight. Glory also means true nature or essence. It simply means culture. I thought that makes somebody happy. <laughs> Glory means culture. God wants to fill the whole earth with his culture. He wants to get heaven to earth. And so that, that's really, really good news. All the kingdoms manifest themselves in culture. Every kingdom, whether it's Great Britain or France or what, you pick your place, they enculturate place. In 2005-ish, my family went to New York. How many of you have ever been to New York? Oh, wow. So this, this might, y'all might actually get this one. So New York's an interesting place. You've got people from literally all over the world. I remember we went to uh, the Brooklyn Tabernacle, and, and they had, I forget how many, like hundreds of different nations in their church. And I'm thinking... Man, this is crazy. You're going downtown, you, you're, you're hearing languages you don't recognize, you're smelling smells that smell great but you don't recognize, you're seeing all kind of things, and you go into Little Italy, and then you've got a Jewish culture, and Jamaica, and you got, I mean, you've got all these places, you know. You've got Puerto Ricans that have imported their culture of rice and beans, in, and they've been living 50 years in New York City, but they've brought their culture with them. Hello? Little cultures ever. Can I tell you what? Culture is not found in a country. Culture is found in its people. 
If you want to find the glory of God, it's found in His people, His sons and daughters, His royal family. And guess what? God has no orphans. He doesn't, He desires that none should perish, but that every single person come to know Jesus. Hello? How many say that's pretty good news? That's a pretty good God. That's a good kingdom. Okay? And so we're, we're in this place, and I'm thinking through all this stuff, and, I, and, I, and I'm thinking, the Lord says, these, these, this is my glory. This is my glory. The glory is the weight of a culture that is so heavy that even whenever you've been away for 50 years, the imprint you carry from that culture, that glory still goes with you. Hello? Are you imprinted with the glory of God? See, that's what it means to carry the culture of God, to colonize, to enculturate. Culture is in the people. Guys, I really believe that Sozo is called to create kingdom culture. We're called to steward kingdom culture. We're called to call people in to kingdom culture in our city, in our region. But more so than that, everywhere you go. How many of you were here whenever Papa Jack Taylor was here? Papa Jack said something that just imprinted me. It was just a brief thought. He said, he said you know what? We need to live our lives in such a way that whenever people describe us, there's an adjective and a hyphen that goes before that description. Archie over here is a husband, but he is a kingdom husband. You know, I was, I was talking to somebody. We have, a, we have a plethora of pilots in this bunch. It's, it's disproportionate. Can I tell you what? You're not just a pilot. You're a kingdom pilot. You're a kingdom husband. You're a kingdom child. You are a kingdom employee, a kingdom teacher. Whatever you do, wherever you go, you carry the kingdom of God with you. That's the mindset. That's, that's where we go. I'm going to give you one last verse and then we're going to wrap this thing up. Pull up Genesis uh, 1. Look at this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule, or that word is dominion, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock, wild animals, and over all, somebody say all, all, all the creatures that move along the ground. This is the kingdom mandate right here. This is the original kingdom mandate that Jesus came back to help us rediscover and to restore by coming to give his life on the cross. And then, do you remember the, in, in John 20 what Jesus did on resurrection evening? He came right through the locked door, and what did he do? He, he breathed the Spirit into his people, and his sons and daughters. He, breathed, he gave them the governor back. Guys, that's us today. We now have the governor back. we got to live like it. How do you get the governor? You just say yes. Jesus, I need you more than my independence. See, here's the good news. The good news is we have a king on the throne. The good news is the governor is back. And so if you're here this morning 
And you've never said, you've never bowed your knee to the King of Kings, be a king, and the Lord of Lords, today's your day. Okay? To say, Jesus, I mean, do it right there where you're at. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, if you don't come through, I'm not going to make it. Because I wasn't designed to live like this. I invite you, Governor Holy Spirit, into my heart. I receive redemption paid for me at the cross, burial, resurrection, and enthronement of Jesus right now. Come into my life. Come into my life. Does anybody just pray that prayer? That's a great prayer to pray, isn't it? It's a great prayer to pray every day. It's a prayer of thanksgiving. Now, I'm going to invite our, our prayer team to come up here. And we're going to have some time here where you can just invite the kingdom to invade whatever need you have. Okay? And um, we had a word from our prayer team uh, earlier that, that Jesus is healing breast cancer and tumor. If that's you, today's a good day for you. It's a good day for you. I believe the Lord wants to, he wants, he wants to strike a death blow to anxiety and panic. I, I believe there are a number of things that God wants to come after here, but guess what? The prayer is always very simple. It's your kingdom come into this situation. And we can because we have the governor of the kingdom. Now, I want you to stand to your feet, and I want us to do something here before we go into our time of prayer. I'd like to just make some confessions. Is that is that okay? Can we do some declarations? All right. Well, it's too bad we're going to do them anyway. So, uh, so I want. Let's just make some declarations. There's power in our words. I, I I believe if we could ever get a grip of how powerful we really are and how what kind of potential we have, and and our words began to line up with our minds, I believe we would be amazed at the movement that will take place. So let's just repeat. Repeat after me. I declare, Jesus, that you are king of kings, that you're not king of subjects. I declare, Jesus, that you are my king. You are my Lord. You've redeemed me to fulfill every purpose I have in my life. I declare that I am a part of the royal family. I accept my role as a culture changer. I wholeheartedly reveal God's true nature. I reveal His glory on the earth. I will represent the kingdom of heaven on earth. I choose to live my life as a kingdom ambassador. I want you just to, to raise your arms right now and declare, Jesus is king. Long live the king. Amen. Amen.